Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In Kaveri Call's deeply personal documentary film, The Bengali, Fatima Sheikh embarks upon an unlikely quest when she travels from New Orleans, the city of her birth, to India, home of her grandfather, Sheikh Mohammed Musa, an African-American writer whose family has lived in Louisiana for four generations. She travels with Kolkata-born filmmaker Kaveri Call to a part of India where no African-American has ever gone. Her search for her past is fraught with uncertainty as she looks for her grandfather's descendants, the land he claimed to own, and the truth behind the stories she grew up with. The film is called The Bengali. We're joined today by the director, Kaveri Call. Kaveri, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a terrific film on a level that I haven't seen very often, if at all, in terms of the way that we get into this story of culture and a search for history and a very personal and intimate story of uh, Fatima Sheikh and her family. So my congratulations on you for finding this kind of sweet spot, this tone in the in the film that I really, really enjoyed. Tell me a little bit about your journey in terms of getting to know Fatima Sheikh and her family and how all of this evolved into what we know as the Bengali. Well, you know, I first met Fatima uh, as and considered her, as most of us do, as an African-American woman rooted in that community of New Orleans. And then she told me very uh, gingerly, you know, my grandfather was from India. And that's when the bells went off in my head. I had been told for many, many years by my mother, who was a history teacher, that there were Indians who came here long before us. But it wasn't in the history books, and it would be great to know more about it. And that's when I went to New Orleans. I found many people of that community and talked to them, got wonderful stories. I met with Fatima's family, and the idea for the film evolved. Was there a particular point in Indian history, in American history, where when Mohammed made the journey that prompted it, what sparked it. I know there's an, they, they allude to in the film, the mistreatment by the British, particularly in this village. But was there something about sort of an opening on, on the American side that would have facilitated this from happening? Or what was there anything particular? Well, what's intriguing is that Indian history precipitated their departure mm-hmm. because taxes were high under the British colonial government. There were famines and droughts. There were lots of mouths to to feed. So many people wanted to leave. And a large sector of our population went to the Caribbean as indentured labor under the British, uh, believing that in a few years they would be free. Of course, indentured labor was just another form of slavery. There was this group, Sheikh and his friends, who came to America not because they knew what they would find here, but because they didn't know what they would find here. They were very adventurous. It was an immense risk. You know, there was no internet to tell you what you'd find here. And uh, they came, they 
put together what little money they had. They only heard of America in the marketplaces because Calcutta was a big port and sailors would talk about America. They heard of it. Uh, it seemed like a great place to go. And if they could scrape together the money, they traveled steerage on the ships and came here. It took three months, maybe more to get here. They didn't know where they were coming. They entered the ports of this country stating they were merchants. They were very wise. And as a community, they helped each other out because um, as merchants, you're not going to weigh down any social service systems. You earn money. And of course, they did. They were very hardworking and they did. So that's how it all happened. It was an immense adventure, a risk I don't know if anyone else of us has the courage to take. In that story that you tell, was New Orleans a particularly interesting point of arrival for some of these people? Or was Sheikh just sort of an outlier? How did that play a part in the story? New Orleans was very much the place to go in those days. This was before train travel changed the whole way that our economy worked. New Orleans was a major port town with a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of activity. And although these men settled all along the East Coast, New Orleans was very much a popular destination for them. One of the things I find so fascinating and interesting about the film is the, the specific story of this family, but of the broader story of migration and why and how. Let's flip the script. So, and so we have Fatima going to India because she understands her, her heritage going back to her grandfather and now has decided she wants to go back and try and retrace the steps from where he came. When did she decide she was going to go back? And how does that play in how you became a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker for her, for her story? Well, actually, I suggested the idea of going back to India. Because I, as it turned out, her grandfather was from Bengal. That's a part of India I'm from. This is a history that I have a connection to. It's the story of the Indian diaspora, and it places us in the American cultural landscape. It's a story she has connection to yeah. uh, because it links African-Americans and Indian-Americans in a way that has been lost in history and most people don't know. So I suggested we go to India to make this film. Okay. Really, it was an idea that I was determined to make happen. Yeah. But please don't ask me how I intended to make it happen because we had very little information to go on. <laughs> Again, she is a very interesting woman in the sense that she is intelligent. She is. Uh, she also has no issues kind of confronting people when she's trying to find things out. She's diplomatic, but at the same time, she's very forceful about what she wants and what she her expectations are for her journey into finding out what happened with her, <clears throat> her grandfather. I've got that right, right? I'm sorry. Was it her yes. great, not her great, great grandfather? Grand. Was her, no, her grandfather. <clears throat> okay. With her grandfather. And I, yeah, I don't know that I would do this. <laughs> Go to an, a country where I don't speak the language and there are an awful lot of cultural barriers. She was facing some, certainly. Let's talk about her arrival and her her expectations for what she wanted to accomplish. Well, you know, she went with me. Right. And we had crew from here, but we also had local crew. 
So we had she had a support, support system. system. She yeah. didn't just go there on her own right. and flounder and be worried about what to do next because it's not easy to know where to go once you leave the big cities. Her first order of business is to essentially try to track down some kind of record where he lived. And that's a very interesting part of it. One of the interesting aspects of that is record keeping, just sort of being able to trace people back to a certain place becomes a, bar a barrier, a hurdle to overcome. Well, you know, record keeping is often not kind to people who are not well known. The same year that Sheikh Mohammed Musa sailed to the United States in steerage was the same year that a very well-known and rightfully respected Indian uh, leader of faith, Swami Vivekananda, came to Chicago for a conference of world religions. But I think you'll find in the records a lot about his visit here, but there's very little about the first people who came from India. Um, Sheikh and his cohorts. And that's why there was a lot of interest in the film there too. There was tremendous enthusiasm without which I would not have found the village. Yeah. Because it's not on maps. It's not a known place. It was a matter of spreading the word to everybody saying, do you know where it might be? Have you heard of it? What do you think? And everybody, everybody got very excited. They could have said, Oh, God, she's crazy. But they didn't. They said, this is wonderful. We'll help you look for it. And that's how I found the village. Yeah. Just want to quickly remind our listeners we're speaking with the director of this wonderful film, wonderful documentary film called The Bengali. And that would be Kaveri Call, the director. And it is opening here in Los Angeles. On September 16th, it'll be opening at the Lemley Royal. It's also opening the week before in New York at the Quad Cinema. That's September 9th. So be looking for this. Just found it to be a fascinating watch. Watching uh, Fatima connect with people, as I was trying to describe earlier. But what I found so interesting is as she gets more and more comfortable uh, in, in the surroundings and getting to know the area a little bit better, she connects with a group of women over the course of her journey there, which I found to be a beautiful part of the film, just watching that interaction as they begin to understand one another better. But also as a counterpoint, you hear men being very frank on camera with you about religion and connect and their and their lack of interest in connecting with her. So there's a wonderful kind of dynamic playing out in this film in that regard. Yeah, you know, what's interesting i'm glad you you caught it that it's the women who lead in the building of trust with the stranger in their midst and it happens in ways we often overlook is sharing family stories and laughing together and that's how a relationship develops and then everybody understands everybody they say oh well you want to find out more about your grandfather it becomes real, mm -hmm. and the women lead the way in building that trust. There's a scene where they're sitting on the front porch. I'll call it the front porch, and there's about four or five women, and Fatima is sitting there with them. 
and I think they um, they might be sewing. There, I can't remember exactly now, but they're the level of like intimacy and and comfort with one another really shines through. She's asking these women who had been married since they were twelve years old. If you had your choice, would you have gotten married or gone to school? So you start to see bigger things in these small conversations, right? And it's about culture. It's about religion. It's about economic opportunity. But there are a lot of things in play, but you see it play out in this very intimate level, which I just I just really loved about the, that scene. I love that scene, too. Uh, those women are wonderful. Absolutely. And it, I mean, from a Western United States point of view, Women being married at 12 years old just sounds like a terrible, awful kind of deficit to be at. Obviously, there are things to be said about yeah. forced marriage yeah. and child marriage, but I think it's a larger context that we in the West often don't pay attention to, yeah. the economics of the situation, yeah. the social taboos. And in this film, it's not meant to be judgmental. Right. It's meant to be a way of understanding different ways and perhaps some commonality. The woman would rather have gone to school, but her family couldn't do that. There are economics involved. Right. And that's true in many Black families here. That's true in many white families here. Right. And I think the more we find the commonality in the issues that we don't agree on, the more or don't seem to agree on, the more we can move forward together without judgment. By way of contrasting that, the film is also about the devastation of Katrina and the impact it had on the particular, I think the seventh ward, the, it's the ninth ward as well, that were devastated by what happened in Katrina and the aftermath of that. And then in this mix of dealing with all that and all of the travails, this sense of place, the sense of kind of wanting to connect with family, wanting to connect in Fatima's case this desire on the part of her and her family to go back to their roots. You know, Katrina was a very traumatic experience for everyone in New Orleans. They lost everything. They lost not just tangible things, they lost a way of life, they lost their past. And I think it's something that maybe we all understand more having gone through the pandemic, what that means, yeah. that kind of societal loss and how traumatizing it can be. And wrapping up here, I just interviewed the director of Katrina Babies, Edward Buckles Jr. And so much of there's thematically a lot of similarities between your film, the Bengali, and his film in terms of the impact Katrina had, but also on finding family, reestablishing those connections in the aftermath and the devastation of it. All about rebuilding your whole life, everyone's lives. I just thought the film was wonderful and my congratulations to you on your work here. Thank you. Thank you so much. The film is called The Bengali and we've been talking with the director, Kaveri Call. Kaveri, thank you so much for your time today here on Film School Radio. Thank you for having me, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.